0: Welcome to Recycle Everywhere Blue Bomber Football on 680 CJOB. The pregame show is brought to you by Olympic Building Center, where you build with confidence. Here is 680 CJOB's Bob Irving
1: everybody, and welcome to IG Field for the CFL West Division Final between the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The first time in CFL history that the Bombers and Riders have met in consecutive West Finals. And believe it or not, just the fifth time in 85 years that these two arch rivals have met in the Western Final. But this is the third year in a row that they've played each other in the playoffs. The Bombers winning that thrilling 2019 West Final in Regina. Winnipeg also winning the 2018 semifinal at Mosaic Stadium. Saskatchewan got here by virtue of a thrilling 33-30 overtime win against Calgary in the West semifinal last weekend. The Bombers got here six weeks ago when they clinched first place in the West. At that point, they knew December 5th would make or break their season. So here we are, and so is the weather. It is snowed, and it's let up right now but we're expecting more snow and strong winds, and we're very pleased that Mike O'Shea is with us live off the top of our pregame show to talk about weather preparations. Mike, we're still two hours from kickoff. Can you plan accurately for what it might might be in two hours?
2: Apparently the wind's supposed to pick up and it's supposed to get a little colder, but that's typical for uh, mid-afternoon in December in Winnipeg, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's about right, I'd say. Uh, It looks to me, I don't know if you've been on the field, but it looks like you've done a pretty good job of clearing it off. Well, me personally, I haven't, but uh,
2: the the stadium crew certainly has done a great job.
1: Yeah, we can see uh, just about all the green, and there's some players jogging around out there, and and they look like they're not having any trouble with their footing. Would the players have gone through a, a real test of shoes to make sure they have the right footing
2: here? Yeah, that's not starting this afternoon, though. They've been testing out their footwear for weeks in practice. So, is the weather an advantage
1: or a disadvantage for your team, Mike?
2: Yeah, I I wouldn't say it's either. I say it's just, uh, it just is. It's just what we're going to deal with. Both teams will have to deal with it. And, um, you know, we'll see how much it affects the game. Obviously, the the kicking game is going to be a tad more interesting. than, than normal, I would say.
3: It's so one more adverse element for a team to contend with. Does this change a, a game plan or a strategy going in if all of a sudden, hey, there's a massive shift in the weather and, and what players are dealing with on the field? Is there a different uh, strategy that then takes over for, for, say, play calling and such?
2: Well, I think that's a flow of the game thing, Doug. It really is. Um, we won't know if we have to shift until... Till that arises, um, but I know that, that uh, Buck, Richie, and Boo, the, the coordinators, are all prepared for, for a strong north wind and snow.
1: How have you felt, Mike, about your team's preparations leading up?
2: I thought it was a, an excellent week. I thought the best part about it is it looked like all the other weeks. Yeah, and that's what you want, right? Exactly. I yeah. like consistency in preparation. I think it it lends to being consistent on the field and during the game.
1: And we've talked often about uh, the great leaders you have on this team and how they sort of guide everybody along. That process continues all the time, doesn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, we, the, the leadership we have in the locker room is... Um, it's just awesome to be around.
1: Now, the big question mark surrounding your team today was the status of Andrew Harris. Can you t- tell us what his situation is?
2: Y- yeah, we'll we'll make our our final roster announcement at two two p.m. today.
1: Okay, you're not going to give us a little sneak preview, then? No, no. Okay. Yeah. Well, as long as we're clear on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what will decide the game today, Mike?
2: It always comes down to, to execution plays right we're gonna we're gonna make some plays they're gonna make some plays if we end up in the in the plus category at the end of the day then it should reflect on the scoreboard I mean we, we always stick to our, our four pillars of playing a physical game making sure we're playing clean intelligent football and, and doing it for the right reasons uh, we've been doing that all year if, if, if we do that and then we we execute and make more plays than them then it should be it should look good at the end.
3: Mike, does it matter how you guys got here? In 2009, obviously, very different path, going on the road, you know, two times, and then, you know, playing that road game in the final. Does it matter that you were able to secure so far out versus having to take the journey that you guys took in 2019?
2: No, it's it's all part of the, the story, all part of the, the learning that goes on. And, and you know, I wouldn't, um, you know, limit what they learned this year, right? These guys learned a ton in 2019, and that's why we have all these guys back, because they've they've, uh, they've been through so much.
1: Mike, thanks for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you after the game.
2: All right, have a good call, Bob.
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. That's the coach's interview brought to you by Private Pension Partners. And right now we have been following this forecast for the last number of days very closely, and it was rather foreboding about this afternoon. Now, we're still two hours from kickoff. But right now, it's minus four. The wind isn't that strong. The snow has stopped. The sky even appears to be clearing a little bit. However, it's supposed to get worse before it gets better. Ed Tate of bluebombers.com joins us here. Doug, your thoughts, and then we'll go to Ed on how the weather might or will impact on the game.
3: Yeah, for me, it's, you know, the more severe it gets, the bigger an equalizer it can be, right? You have a lot on your plate uh, as a football player going into a game. With just your responsibilities, your execution, your your role in a defense or an offense, and all of a sudden there's an element uh, that can be really, really limiting, really taxing, really distracting, and uh, it can uh, you know and there there can be players, there can be a percentage of players on your roster too that have never played in such conditions as well. Now, obviously, it's it's been winter time for for a stretch in Winnipeg, and they've had some difficult conditions in Saskatchewan as well, but it is. It is always interesting. It's always eye-opening. There's always some spots. There's always some players on your football team that uh, this is a novel experience for.
4: What what stands out for me is I think that that Winnipeg could handle whatever the conditions are. Look, if it's if it's awful like they're saying it might be, you know, three o'clock and later where it's windy. This team is built to dominate at the line of scrimmage and f- pound the football if they have to. And if it stays like this, I think Winnipeg's passing game is i think it's far superior to what Saskatchewan can do, to be honest. I, I think we saw Cody Fajardo struggle to throw the ball uh, last week. His numbers on deep passes are really poor uh and shockingly poor on passes 20 yards or more Mm. uh so i think that whatever the conditions are winnipeg is the superior team and i think they can adapt that's i don't know that factor that wind uh, the weather would be a factor to winnipeg as much as it might be to saskatchewan
1: i guess if the field gets slippery and guys are can't get their footing and are sliding around and then it gets cold and it's uh, you get more turnovers usually when it's cold and so that can have an impact on the game again as we sit here right now i would say the weather's perfect for december absolutely yeah two hours from now and then three hours and four hours when the game is still being played that could change back to the cold weather doug we had milt stiegel on earlier this week and he said the players hated playing in the cold he (laughs) said they always lied about it but he said Uh, they hated it especially the guys from the south who aren't used to it and i think it's true though there are some players that handle it better than others you must have seen that in your career
3: yeah without question i mean the elements the cold it can change the strategy it can change the the way a game is called it can change the disposition and then the attitude of of the players on your team it can change the the traction and footwear out on the field and football is uh it's harder to play in the cold without question it is much more difficult to play in a cold environment uh, a game of professional football than it is and it's it's not a, a coincidence that the national football league always wants to have their super bowl in a dome or a warm yep. locale environment because they don't want to see anything compromised out on the football field. They want to see, you know, football played at its maximum level, which is in a warm environment, right? That's when things aren't necessarily contrived. Like you can get in a, in a colder scenario. So it's, uh, I don't know for me that the worse it gets the better it gets for the underdog, I think, because it introduces variables that you might otherwise not see in a football game in terms of turnovers, in terms of play calls, so on and so forth. There's more of that element of chance that comes to play in a difficult, cold-weather environment.
1: You said the coldest game you ever played in was the 2003 West Semifinal when Saskatchewan came to Winnipeg and beat your Blue Bombers. Kenton Keith, remember that ad Mm -hmm. rush for... Rushed forever. I remember Dave Ritchie after the 136
5: game yeah. yards. I well, we think we couldn't
3: Let's... stop
1: that number five or whatever his number was. But uh,
4: I remember the fan got laid out in that game too. By uh, was it Eric Carter? Uh, Somebody ran yeah. on the field and yeah. they, uh, got got destroyed. That's the other memorable thing from that game for yeah. me. For whatever reason, my mind works weird, Bob, as you know.
1: I do. I do know that. <laughs> Here, here's the thing, and I guess this is Ed, you and I, and, and Doug. We're around the bombers more than we are around the riders. And the impression you get when you're around the bombers is nothing phases them. They have this laser focus, this tunnel vision on what they're doing. They're preparing. Yeah, so it's snowing, so it's raining, you know, so uh, whatever. It just doesn't matter. We're, here we go. We're going out to play and do the things we do.
4: Yeah, it's really sticking to their blueprint, right? It's what it's the one on only thing that we kind of roll our eyes at. I'm rolling my eyes at it right now, but it's their mantra. It's what they do uh, every week. It's just... Uh, you know, come in, punch the clock, do your job, and get out. And as to the weather, and Doug talked about this, it's almost like in the last week, during the bye week and the and the days leading up to this game, that you see guys out there once in a while without sleeves on and, and shorts, and it's like they're trying to harden themselves mentally to it. And that would be something that I imagine comes from the locker room, too, is that there's going to be nobody complaining about the weather. Because mm. if you do, you're going to get somebody else in your grill sand. Keep it down, man, like deal with it, you know, kind of man up a little bit. And I think that's comes from the boss, too, and that comes from Coach O'Shea. It's that, uh, uh, you know, whether you're from Florida or you're from Winnipeg or Saskatchewan, you got to play in this today, mm-hmm. so harden yourself to it. And I think we've seen that in the last couple of weeks, too.
1: We talked to Michael Couture of the Bomber Center this week and asked him if the O-linemen are all going to have – sleeveless jerseys on and he said oh yeah that's what we do and he didn't sound too convinced to me that that was the <laughs> smartest thing to do but he's going to go along with it for sure and uh, doug you saw a saskatchewan player out here just a few minutes ago without a top on
3: yeah you what know do you make of that usually it's it's one of two reasons uh when you see guys in warm-ups in, in a cold situation you know running around no shirt on uh it's either because they want to be on the tsn Highlight package going into this game because there's always a shot of a player, you know, warming up without a shirt on. Um, so it's it's either that reason or it's also, uh, to your point, uh, that they need to prove to themselves. They want to get as cold as possible. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to layer up. And they're, they're actually mentally, I think they're proving to themselves that, hey, this isn't that big of a deal. And they want to show everybody else, hey, I'm not affected by this. But sometimes when you... Uh, when you project that hard, there's another reason uh, as well. But it is uh, it is interesting uh, that you're always going to see a, a, a percentage. Sometimes the most uh, animated players on, on your team certainly will go out and, and try to show everyone that the uh, weather elements are not a factor. Check
1: out the end zone there by the Bomber locker room. That's Willie Jefferson. I don't think he's got a shirt on. Does no, he? No, no, he does not. So no. Willie's doing the... Uh, you know, the fire bear, and brimstone thing in the terms of upper half. Yeah, yeah. I can he might not want to do winter. that in two hours. but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, enough about the weather for now. It could play a, a significant role in the game. But again, as we sit here right now, it doesn't look like it will because the field has been pretty much cleared from the snow we had. And we had a fair bit of snow uh, and the traction looks good. There's a number of players out there running and they appear to be moving without slipping very much. Uh, But we'll just have to wait and see what the next couple of hours bring as the Bombers and Riders get set to play in the West Final. Well, we heard from Mike O'Shea. If you ever want to hear a coach downplay his team's chances, you need to listen to what's coming next. Here's Craig Dickinson, the coach of the Riders, and I asked him, what do you have to do to win this game? Craig Dickinson, coach of the Riders, I think just about everything he said there is true, but is he giving the Bombers too much credit, Ed?
4: Well, I'll tell you what, he better change up the tone for his pregame speech because that's hardly, uh, uh, you know, inspiring what he just said there if you're in the Rough Rider dressing room. Uh, You know, like you said, everything that he said is probably true. Uh, He's really playing up the underdog role and uh, we're going to have to be perfect uh, scenario. And there's, you know, there's part of that that's true too, but I think he's underselling his own team a little bit here, too. They pound the football pretty well. They've got a mobile quarterback, um, and their front six and their secondary are really strong. Uh, th- this is a formidable opponent. This They're yeah. worthy of being here, and uh, um, I, th- I think he's uh, this is the old uh, undersell and over-deliver. Is, is that what they say in marketing? So that's what so, I think he's doing.
1: Yeah, I, and he's saying that to us and to the public. I don't know if he'd say that in his locker room or not. he think?
4: better not,
3: because <laughs> yeah. the, the problem is, is his team already heard. You know his his comments after previous games, right? Like yep. when we were out there for the Labor Day Classic and and they lost again. It was their first loss of the year, I believe. And uh, he had I would my it was an eye popping statement in my mind how he kind of conceded that I believe he was the one that says, "Hey, it's everybody." And then it's the Winnipeg yeah. Blue Bombers, right? So when you hear, you know, it's very important, I think, for for coaches and players to be respectful of their opponent. But he's gone too far, in, in my estimation. He's gone, he's crossed that line in in the sense that he's now detailing and breaking down why this team, you know, is inherently better than us and and why our chances are are remote, other than a puncher's chance for the for the underdog. So, I uh, yeah, I wouldn't respond well as a player in the locker room, like even just hearing the comments post-Labor Day Classic when he said they're in another league than us you never want to hear your coach concede or have a defeatist attitude like that because he's just giving you an excuse to not go out and and play your best because you're listening to his expectation that you know unless something miraculously happens we're going to fail and we're going to falter in this game and that's just not inspiring leadership from from a head coach.
1: Well, they met twice in the regular season. The Bombers won both games, 23 to nine and 33 to nine. They outscored Saskatchewan 37 to nothing in the second half of those games. Uh, and as I look back on those two games, Ed and Doug, the Riders hung in pretty good for the first half, the way Craig was saying they wanted to. But then the second half, as with many games this year, the Bombers just took over and they shut them down. The one stat that just uh, is mind-boggling is in those two games, the Bombers didn't allow a single Riders offensive touchdown drive. They had 27 drives in those two games, the Riders, zero touchdowns. So I don't know if you're a, a Rider player. You know, you come in here believing, Doug, right? You have to believe you can beat anybody, but your belief uh, system might not be as strong as it would otherwise be. Well, and then you
3: learn about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are undefeated at home this year. They're, they've are they won, what, 18 of 19 yep. over, over the last multiple seasons. So it's... Uh, you know, And then you have your coach that is not exactly giving you a hard sell in, in the locker room about, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to go in there and and try the Huffnagel we got him exactly where we want him speech where <laughs> he'll go and he'll list all the shortcomings and failures and belief and, and the odds of this game to his yeah. team and then go to fire and brimstone and change his, uh, his, his tone dramatically and say we've got him exactly where we want him and, and who knows. Who knows how that'll work, but it, it's uh, it's an interesting uh, setup and um, way that this table has been set for the Western Final.
4: You know, for me, the Banjo Bowl and Labor Day Classic, for whatever reason, seems like forever ago. And I think the writers have changed a little bit they since have, then. Yeah. You know, and you've had uh, Duke Williams. You had Shaq Evans was hurt in those two games. So those, there's two pieces to your offense that are better. And, and Shaq the, looked terrible last week, though. Yeah, the, you're right, you're right. But, he's, you know, he is a proven guy. Um, and what the players in the bomber room have been saying all this week about the Rider defense is it looks like they've become more settled in what they're doing. Yep. So those numbers that you, you threw out, Bob, are, are really astonishing. The, You know, I think it's 0 for 27 in mm. possessions, and you know they haven't given up a point in the second half of either game. Um, and so that lends back to what Craig Dickinson was talking about, kind of hanging with the Bombers a little bit longer, and then, as Doug said, you get a puncher's chance if you're still close late. Um, but there's a lot of things that seem to be piling piling up statistically against the Riders. I just think this is a little bit of a different team than what we saw in the Banjo Bowl, and they've, you know, as poorly as they played at stretches last week, they have momentum, fresh momentum, right, if that means anything.
3: I think we should also bring up how poorly Cody Fajardo has played of late for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I mean, he was early in the season. He was lights out, right? He, he's he been a most outstanding candidate. He's been in that conversation before. And four interceptions against Calgary. I think everyone's talking about his running prowess. Well, he was running because I think he was scared to put the ball up in the air <laughs> against Calgary after what had transpired and his comments after the game, how he couldn't believe that they'd won a game where he'd thrown four in interceptions. Yep. So. That's an interesting, uh, you know, you talk about momentum from a game. Well, uh, I would say there's probably some some mental challenges for Cody in terms of uh, who's he going to come out and be today. And ter- has he got his confidence back? Is he still affected by those four picks he threw? And is he just going to be a running threat out there and try not to make any mistakes? So when we
1: come back, we'll hear from the two quarterbacks, Cody Fajardo and Zach Calaris. And I guess if you're listening to our pregame show, folks, uh, we're kind of making it sound like... There's no way the Bombers can lose this game, but we all know there is a way they can lose this game because the favorites don't always win. They are heavily favored, but they don't always win, and uh, I can remember many upsets over the history of the Canadian Football League. So the Riders certainly have a chance. The Bombers, unquestionably, based on the regular season, are the better team. And those are just the facts, and we'll have to wait until shortly after 3 to see how it all unfolds. Thanks for joining us in the CertainTeed Broadcast booth. Professional-grade building materials pro all the way back with the quarterbacks. You're listening to Recycle Everywhere, Blue Bomber Football on 680 CJOB. Still don't know if Andrew Harris is going to play in this game. We'll find out in roughly half an hour when the Bombers announce whether or not uh, he's going to be in uniform. I think most of you are familiar. He hurt his knee. About six weeks ago in a game in Edmonton, he only started practicing this week. He practiced on Wednesday, but then was held out Thursday and Friday uh, because the knee flared up a little bit. So we'll know in about half an hour. And then Duke Williams, the receiver for Saskatchewan, and he had a big game last week in the West semifinal. Uh, His status is very questionable, and the Riders won't decide for about a half an hour whether or not he will play in this game. I was looking, guys, at Zach Calaris's. Postseason record and dating back to his days in Hamilton, of course, uh, he's been in five playoff games, three division finals, two great Cups in the division finals. Uh, he's completed 64% of his passes, two touchdowns, one interception. He's won three and lost one, and he's been in two Cups. 75% completion, 512 yards, no interceptions, and he's one and one. Those are Ed Tate, pretty darn good postseason numbers.
4: Those are really good postseason numbers, uh, and you know, in the last little while, you, there's he's always been kind of quiet as a you know even in his interviews and everything. But there's a uh, confidence that comes out all this year. He seems just way more, I mean, obviously, way more settled with this team, this offense, his personnel. When you, when you look back to 2019, and you know, it's sometimes it's still astonishing to me that he had made one regular season start before that epic playoff run. Mm-hmm. You know, he probably still didn't even know everybody's name in the locker room. And here we are. He just seems to have settled in so comfortably. You know, he's he's seen as a leader now, not just a veteran guy that was parachuted in. Um, and I, there's a, I think there's a confidence that everybody gets from just being around him, that, you know, he's well prepared. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, if he makes a mental mistake today, it won't happen again on the next series because he's just been there and done that.
1: You know what Craig Dickinson said yesterday? He was asked about Calaris, and he... He thought that Calaris has, has bulked up since he, yeah. 2019. He said it looks like when he didn't play in 2020, he really went to work on kind of re-sculpting himself. And I've I've noticed it, too. It looks to me like his upper body is a little bigger and stronger because, Doug, he's taken some hits this year, and he's bounced back up every time. You know, I everybody was concerned, given his history, about whether or not he'd hold up. But, uh, you know, he's taken his share. Not as many hits as a lot of quarterbacks, but he's taken a few, and he's held up very well.
3: Yeah, that was the... Kind of the asterisk, if, if you could put one, on a, a Grey Cup champion in 2019, everyone was like, well, you only had Zach Claris for a short stint and a short spell. Wait till you get him for an entire regular season, and then you'll see why we gave up on him, why we dismissed him, why we moved away from him, and yet here we are, right? He has withstood everything that's been thrown at him. Uh, granted, he hasn't taken all the snaps in all the games, and, and rightfully so, but he's proven to be a lot more durable than than his history uh, has shown leading up into this game and I think it has a lot to do with the offenses he's in, the balance of, mm-hmm. of the game plan that he's in, the protection he gets, so on and so forth, but uh, probably the the condition he's done and it when you're a veteran player, if you're not attacking, if you're not aware of what your weaknesses are and, and if he wasn't aware, hey, I can get hurt a lot, I need to do stuff in order to counteract that in, in my off season training. Then you're not paying attention, and Zach Claris is a consummate professional, yeah. and I'm—I I can guarantee you—he's seen. Hey, I need to be more durable. What can I do to be stronger and more resilient on the football field? And I would imagine you guys aren't seeing things when you say he looks stronger, he looks more imposing physically. He probably addressed those things, especially sure. when he had all that time in, in 2019, right when he was uh, lost for the season with a concussion.
4: Ed, give us an update on the East final. Hamilton has just scored again. Jalen Acklin on a pass from Dane Evans. They've had two special teams plays now, which have been critical punt return touchdown, and then a fake field goal that the Mm -hmm. Dane Evans, the holder ran for a first down and just led to this touchdown now. So 12, 12 uh, with the, Convert pending.
1: And the Argos were up 12-0 at halftime and totally dominated the first half. All right, let's hear from Zach Kolaris. First of all, he says the bye week that the Bombers had has been very good.
6: Yeah, I think we've handled it really well. I thought, uh, you know, we've had really good practices, um, you know, during the bye week and and obviously leading up to the game this week. Um, and, you know, took advantage of um, the position that we you know, we're in leading up to this. I think everybody's really excited to get out there and play. Uh, feels like we've been waiting for this for a long time, and uh, Saskatchewan's a great opponent. We're going to have to play really well, you know, to win the game, but uh, I know guys are really excited to get out there in front of our fans. In the, in this sport especially, you have to cherish those opportunities, uh, really cherish every practice, every, every game, uh, every play you're out there because you just never know. Uh, you know, nothing's guaranteed in this sport, and you have such a limited time um, to actually play games. You know I, I think I said earlier in the year it's not like baseball and basketball where you have 80, 160 game seasons you know you, you prepare so much um, you know as a, as a unit together and you know this season only had 14 opportunities and you know including the playoffs so um, it's always special when you can get out there and, and compete and uh, you know, I think guys understand that but everyone will, everyone will be ready tomorrow.
1: This just in. That's what they say in sports.
6: (laughs) Breaking this
1: just in (laughs) Andrew Harris is playing. We just got word that he has been cleared to play in the game today. Before we hear more from Zach Kolaris, I'm not surprised to hear this. And I would have been mildly surprised if he wasn't playing because I think we all knew he was going to do everything in his power and, the bombers were going to do everything in their power to make sure Ed, that he could get out there and be a useful part of the the bomber team today and it's happened
4: yeah, when I saw him at practice on Wednesday, his first practice since forever, right because of his injury he was he looked amazing uh he was running hard, he was finishing runs, he was you know adding an extra twenty twenty five yards to his runs at the end just to get his conditioning in, and then you know there was a close practice on. Thursday, a close practice yesterday, and Friday he didn't do anything, so there was some concern that maybe he had tweaked it or whatever, but uh, I'm not the least bit surprised. I think they saw, uh, you know, if he didn't get hurt in those close practices days, I think they saw enough on Wednesday to say, okay, you don't have to prove anything to us. You're good to go. Uh, We'll see you Sunday at 3 o'clock.
1: And Mike O'Shea, Doug, has said all week, you know, we're not going to activate a guy if we think he can give us 10 plays and that's it. But... uh, If Harris can only give them 10 or 12 plays and be spelled by the other guys, the emotional uh, presence that he brings is worth it, isn't it?
3: Yeah, the veteran presence. And it's definitely a lift for your team, right, when you see a guy like that. I mean, I remember back to, to college games I played in at Simon Fraser University. We weren't sure about a certain guy who was a linebacker that was going to play on our team. It was largely because he was academically ineligible. But regardless, for whatever reason, all of a sudden we found out like the day before the day of that he was going to play Mm – And we were just super fired up, and it wasn't that he had this magnificent game and he won the game for us. It was just the addition, and it's all the intangibles that they also bring to your football team. So Andrew Harris, uh, you know, whether you use him as a decoy, as a blocking back, whether, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to get his 25 touches, you know, uh, 5 or 10 through the air and 15 on the ground for them to win this game, just uh, his addition to the roster it uh, it boosts everybody. It certainly would would lift the level for for all the players on this football team.
1: Adam Big Hill had a great comment. Ed, you were there about Andrew Harrison. I think he used the the Emotional word sublime. Leader? No, no, he, he talked about his sort of sublime understanding of coverages and picking up blitzes and mm. all those little things that only a veteran player who's been around as long as he has and how he can manipulate. He used the word manipulate defenses. Mm just by the things he does and the things he sees. Yeah,
4: it was a really interesting quote. He, he talked about, you know, the way Andrew can set up a defense by the way he bounces around in the backfield or where he's moving. That's be on top of what he can do in terms of blitz pickup and uh, you know, alerting the the offensive line what might be coming. And as Andrew uh, as Adam said about Andrew, that's all before he even gets the ball in his hands. There's mm-hmm. these other things that he does. And then on top of that later yesterday uh, Zach Caleros said that Andrew has a Ph.D. in football IQ, basically, mm-hmm. that he, he knows uh, he knows so much about offense and defense, how to set up a defense, but where everybody needs to, to be. I thought that was an interesting quote, too, about the Ph.D. So both those guys, both veterans spoke about a lot of the little things that we don't see all the time in Andrew Harris's game.
1: And Doug, a lot of players can play an entire career and not have those things. Some of those are intuitive, aren't they? They're just there.
3: Yeah. You have to be able to absorb that through your experiences. And yeah, it's, it's little things like knowing, you know, what you're showing on film and making changes yourself to your own tendencies and, and habits to throw off your opponent, you know, when they're watching you, because yep. you understand like it's uh it ends up getting, there's many, many layers of it, right? And, and Andrew Harris, with everything he's seen and experienced and all the, the time and the reps he's gotten in games, uh, his, his addition to this football team is invaluable.
1: So that's uh, good news for the Blue Bombers and their fans, of course. He's a local hero. Andrew Harris will play in the game today. All right, let's hear more from Zach Kalaris. Here are his thoughts on the weather.
6: You never really know this time of year. Um, this is kind of foreign to the CFL, right? Playing in December. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see in the morning, you know, what it's like when we wake up and, you know, adjust to the the elements uh, as the game goes on. Um, you know, I know we'll be talking obviously on the sidelines um, from a run pass and, and situational uh, standpoint. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of us that have played in this league for a while have played in a lot of different elements. Um, you know it's it's pretty windy in Hamilton and, you know practiced there for four years so um, wind and throw some snow in there and you know who knows we'll see cold cold temperatures we've been practicing in that I think we had a couple of minus 20 days there practicing in the morning so you know we'll be ready it'll be rocking in there we'll be we'll be uh, ready to go uh, I thought you know the west semi in uh, in Calgary was pretty dang cold um, if I recall that was a uh, holding the iPad on the sideline was tough with your hands you know so played it played in some games where we've had to obviously adjust the game plan a little bit and uh, that's just you know comes with playoff football you
1: know you hear Zach Keller speak and he's a very laid-back relaxed sort of guy but he is also a fiery competitor more than than you you would sort of take from his comments right
4: yeah he he comes across so calm cool and collected in his interviews and uh, earlier this week Buck Pierce was asked to describe Zach as a as a player. And the first yeah. word out of his mouth was competitive. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, we don't always see it, but on, in a practice, if a guy's not in the right spot, I think he's going to hear it from the quarterback and it's not going to be, you know, you know, putting his arm around him and, and, you know, you know, whispering in his ear and trying to be encouraging. It's, Hey, it's, you know, don't mess up on this anymore. Let's Wake go. Up. Yeah. And, uh, apparently he's just a religious student of the game. I think he wants to get into coaching afterwards. That's not unusual for quarterbacks, but when you have one that's that uh, dedicated to all the extra stuff and the competitiveness, I think it's a pretty impressive package. It's why he's up for MOP, right?
1: Yeah, kind of good that they acquired him late in 2018, you know, eh? Remember, kind of turned out all right, eh? As a
4: stopgap. <laughs> yeah, remember that's what that's right. Remember, Just in when case it we need him. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was uh, It was insurance. You know, it yeah. was uh, we weren't sure he was going to play at all, and that the idea that because it was a conditional first round draft pick yeah. that the bombers would give that draft pick up uh, after this this you know stretch run in 2019 seemed uh, incomprehensible at the time but yeah. it, now it seems like yeah why wouldn't you yeah. it it's just uh, it's amazing how it turned out
1: and he, of course he took over because chris, chris Streveler broke his ankle and strevler was on the air with hal anderson on CGOB earlier <laughs> this weekend <laughs> He wanted everybody here to get lit today. Now, we're not recommending that, but that's what Chris Streveler would say, and I don't think he meant that you should, you know, take too much alcohol into your system. he just get excited and get behind the team, and uh, he was fired up when he talked to Hal. His thoughts are still very much with this football team. He's with Baltimore now in the NFL, but it was good to hear from Chris Streveler in the fur coat. Hal asked him where the fur coat is, and, I think he said he wasn't sure. Somebody had it, but the fur coat is still out there. All right, we'll come back. We'll hear from Cody Fajardo and others. You're listening to Recycle Everywhere Blue Bomber Football on 680 CJOB. You know, the sun is actually threatening to break out here at IG Field on this West Final Sunday afternoon in Winnipeg. There's Brady Oliveira out there, Doug Brown. He doesn't have long sleeves on. There's a bomber receiver in the end zone. Brady's on the 50-yard line. By the way, Sergio Castillo's... Uh, kicking field goals into the north end, a 52 yarder, and it came up about 10 yards short. So, that north wind that they talked about uh, increasing as the afternoon goes along is certainly making its presence felt. And Mike O'Shea's out there right in the middle of that. He loves to go out with the kickers on a day like this just to see what their range is and, and what he can reasonably expect in terms of a, the length of a field goal try. So, he'll keep a close eye on that part of the game as it goes along. Well, Cody Fajardo, he's an interesting character, the quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, you know, you'd think he'd be a bit of a folk hero in Saskatchewan. They've won more games than any team in the last two years in this league. Uh, not well, the same as the Bombers, I think. But all they've done basically is win. They hosted a playoff game. They hosted the West Final two years ago and yet He's under scrutiny all the time and there's lots of fans who aren't happy with him. So let's hear from Fajardo first and then we'll we'll talk about him. Cody Fajardo, the quarterback of the Riders, says he's not concerned about the adverse weather conditions.
7: And as soon as you start thinking about the weather and not about executing the play, you get into some trouble. Uh, fortunately for me, I've played in some cold weather games and um one of my secret, or one of my weapons, is using my legs, and so that could be uh, an advantage for us and being able to run the ball if we can't throw the ball down the field because of the wind. But uh, this is what you expect when you have a CFL season going to December playoff football here in Winnipeg. Um, those are the things you dream about when you're a kid playing in those cold weather games, and it's always been a privilege for uh, for me to play in cold weather games because that means you're usually playing the length of the season. So uh, we're blessed to, to be in this situation, to be in an opportunity just to play in a cold-weather game, and it should be a really great uh, CFL football game. I think we got to play our best football. They're, uh, they're the best team in the league for a reason, and uh, we have to be able to finish in the, in the red zone, uh, not kicking field goals. we got to score touchdowns. And, uh, and we can't turn the ball over, that's, that's for sure, because they definitely will take advantage of that. But I think more importantly, we got to execute our game plan. we got to find a way to, to push through when adversity hits, because they're going to make a lot of plays. Um, and they got great players over there, so we got to find a way to push through, but that's something this team's done all year, and uh, I'm really proud about this team and the way that we handled a lot of the adversity we've handled all year has been with class, and, and nobody's pointed fingers. Nobody's uh, been pit against each other, so we're just excited about the opportunity to go out there and have a, a chance to play another football game. We've been an underdog all year. For some reason, we, we might be, have the most wins uh, as an underdog ever because it seemed like even when we were rolling, people just always had something to say about about us, uh, and here we are in the West Final. You know, for me, I'm very uh, blessed to be back in this situation when 2019 ended so rough for me, but also to be the starting quarterback for this organization. Uh, the last two years, and to find myself in two West final games. I know that they don't come that easy, and there's a lot of uh, sweat, tears, blood, grit that you got to uh, go through in order to get to this position. Um, but I'm just really, really excited about this opportunity to go out there uh, and play against the best team in the CFL, and, and I'm, I'm happy that I get another opportunity to go out there with those guys because this locker room is really close, and uh, you never want your season to end on a loss. And, and so we found a way to win last week, and, and we get another opportunity to play together this week.
1: Cody Fajardo, quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, this year, 2,970 yards passing, and he missed one of their games. Uh, 14 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Not a great ratio, but not horrible either. He rushed for 468 yards. He had, uh, I didn't even know they kept this stat. He had 35 quarterback escapes, which is one of his strengths. That's about three a game where he's basically dead to rights in the pocket, but he spins away and takes off on a run his career record is 21 wins and eight losses and that's covering two seasons basically and yet in saskatchewan it's he's not quite there's something missing with him with a lot of people not all the fans what do you think doug about
7: Fajardo? yeah
3: i don't know i'm not not a big fan i mean personally i think he's a a fine guy off the field and and such just uh i'm not a big fan of his uh quarterbacking prowess on the football field Uh, you know you can look at the stats in terms of his deep ball he's really only uh, accurate in the short to intermediate stuff in the yeah. in the passing game and turns the ball over a lot and it uh, seems like a lot of big game moments he hasn't risen to the occasion so <clears throat> I've uh, just from the get-go I just I don't know you look at the complete package of what a, pl- a player brings to the table and we ask the most of our quarterbacks because they're the most important part in terms of determining the outcome of a football game and I, I just haven't been sold on on Cody since I've seen him in this league
4: I've always said that, the, that for me, that uh, I hadn't been sold yet either. And yet last year, you know, he proved a lot of people two wrong. Years two yeah. years ago. Yeah, two years ago, he proved yeah. a lot of people wrong by being an MOP candidate. And you mentioned his, his record as a starter. It's really impressive. You know, until the Labor Day came along, they were unbeaten, and he was the leading candidate for the most outstanding player award in this league by a lot of people. And uh, so I'm not sure what it is yet either. I think... What it comes down to is you is he I don't want to say a one-trick pony, but is he a running quarterback who can throw a little bit? And that's maybe what the book is becoming on him now. The scouting report on Doug mentioned his uh, short passing game. It's really impressive, but when you ask him to throw deep, the numbers are, are really poor. And I think maybe when uh, you know when you're talking about a quarterback, everybody loves to see the deep ball or a guy gunning it, you know, 30 yards down mm-hmm. the field to somebody over the middle. Uh, I'm not sure we've seen enough of that from from Cody Fajardo and maybe that's why some of the shine has come off his star a little bit.
1: It's funny in the West Final two years ago he passed for 366 yards. And he was hurt, remember? Yeah, and I mean the Riders lost that game primarily because they made a couple of boneheaded plays down near the bomber goal line and Winnipeg's defense came up huge. I don't want to put it all on the writers when they put brian bennett in to run a short yardage play i'll never forget that as long as i live but the bombers won a thriller but fajardo played pretty well in that game so to me doug the whole story today with him uh and he'll complete some passes although if he doesn't have duke williams that's going to hurt him for sure but it's his ability to take off and run if the bombers can harness that then they've got him right where they want him
3: yeah it's just being disciplined in your your pass rush lanes and you can't some quarterbacks you can just uh disregard what your responsibilities are what lanes you're supposed to stay in as a rusher there's four points of pressure obviously you get from a a front four defensive line you're two interior and two on the on the edge so mm-hmm. guys on the edge supposed to keep contain and fall back right once you get to quarterback depth or level they talk about it you don't keep going around if you keep running that hoop drill yeah you may sack them from behind but you're also creating a vertical seam there so Uh, You want to retrace your steps, only rush to quarterback height. And I don't know, I think this defensive line is, you know, if they're not extended and exposed on the football field for an inordinate amount of time, I think they're very capable of of keeping in the pocket and limiting that damage. And I'm sure, you know, you have to be affected from a massive playoff game where you throw four picks. And uh, that affects your psyche as a player. That affects you mentally. I'm sure he'd rather... Uses lay. It's a much safer play for him in a second and long situation. Tuck that ball away and run. Mm. We might see him prematurely do that in this game and give up on his reads because he is affected by how we played against Calgary. Very possible.
4: Doug, let me ask you a kind of an X's and O's question. You talked about the the defensive ends and the D line trying to be sort of conscientious in their pass rush lanes. That's what Richie Hall said earlier this week. But there's you know there's been this discussion and maybe it's overplayed in the media about whether you spy a guy like Cody Fajardo what would that even entail? Is it a linebacker? How do you, what would that look like? And, and can you explain the benefits and maybe the downside of that?
3: Yeah. I mean, spying your quarterback is, is essentially taking uh, well, you, you can have, as long as your linebackers are playing zone or whatever, you can dedicate like an Adam Big Hill mm-hmm. to spying him or whatever, just like a blitz and engage you would have on a back, right? If a, you can have a, a linebacker assigned to a running back and if the back stays in the backfield, then he blitzes, right? And if he, he, peels out and, and goes into the flat, he he engages and, and he stays with him in that regard. So you can assign a, a linebacker that will drop into zone and then, but as soon as that quarterback looks like he's a flight risk, then that's his responsibility, right? He doesn't have pass coverage anymore. It's his job to limit that and, and really come up and, and set an edge or force him into something. So it just takes away you know if the if your opponent recognizes you're doing that and they know it's Adam Big Hill, then they're going to try and run say a crossing route mm-hmm. into where he's vacating. You get Cody to run up, threaten the line of scrimmage all of a sudden Adam Big Hill's coming downhill to prevent that, and then you just lob it into the area that that he left in in zone coverage so it's uh it's inter- i mean honestly everything we've talked about here so far. What I've heard about, you know, Cody's inaccuracy throwing the deep ball, I mean, that changes your coverages, if anything. You know, you're all of a sudden you're like, you know, cover zero is a scary proposition sometimes. You have zero safeties, right? And, and, and you bring pressure, but not if the guy is shy or inaccurate about throwing deep down the field, right? All of a sudden cover two, not necessarily something you have to, you, you'd be fine cover one or, or, or playing zone and, and or being heavy on the blitz if, if you're facing a guy that either isn't going to throw the ball deep or uh, isn't very accurate when he does put the ball downfield. So it, it's there's a lot of factors about Cody Fajardo. It's going to be real interesting to see how Richie Hall addresses these and and what his style will be in uh, reaction uh, to the kind of player that that Cody is and the things he brings to the field.
1: Ed Tate, bring us an update on the East final. The Ty Cats have pretty much taken over the game, have they?
4: Yeah, it was like you said earlier, Bob. It was twelve nothing Toronto, and the Ty Cats got a spark from a couple special teams plays. And now they're up 20 to 13 with uh, just under 11 minutes to go in the game, and so uh, if they could protect this, we're looking—it's looking like the home team in the Grey Cup next Sunday too. So mm-hmm. uh, credit Hamilton because uh, they held on a lot of possessions early, where they forced Toronto to kick field goals yeah. instead of punching it in, including one near the goal line. Uh, And so they hung with them for a while. And now Dane Evans, again, off the bench, too, replacing Jeremiah Mazzoli. And they're up by a touchdown with about 11 minutes to go.
1: It's funny. I was watching the game earlier, and the Argos got to the two-yard line of Hamilton, third down. They got to the three-yard line, third down. And my thought was take the points, which they did. But if they lose the game, the the second-guessing will be, wait, wait a minute. You're on the two-yard line, and you didn't try to punch it in. You're on the three-yard line. You didn't try to punch it in. But that's uh, decisions coaches have to make, and they either turn out in the end or they don't. There's one bomber player right at the 50-yard line now as we look at our booth at IG Field. Number 80, Doug Brown. That's Janarian Grant. We have seen him play in a while. Well. He could be a real difference maker in this game, as could Jamal Morrow, the kick returner for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders.
3: Yeah, just that that extra jump. We saw Morrow in the in the game against Calgary, as you stated uh, Two returns for touchdowns. Yeah. One was called back from penalty. But uh, Janarian Grant, he started. He was hitting his stride right as we went down the season. Initially, he came back in the regular season. We weren't overly, uh, we weren't overwhelmed or enthused by what he was doing. But he has definitely uh, improved incrementally, and we saw flashes of his explosive ability and his overall speed as he got back into the swing of things. So he was uh, definitely rested and 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 not. Uh, activated for games down the stretch. But you're right. When it comes to, you know, flipping the field with field position or getting a game breaker on special teams, he's as much of a threat as his counterpart is with Saskatchewan.
1: You know, and that brings me to one of the differences between these two teams in the regular season. And these are stats I love to run up the flagpole. You guys have heard them a million times. Penalties. Winnipeg took 90 this year. Saskatchewan took 148. Winnipeg was lowest. The, The riders were the highest. No yards penalties. The Bombers had two no yards penalties this year. Two. In
3: 14 two. games. That's, that's Saskatchewan incredible.
1: Saskatchewan had 22. Now, how's that for field position changes? Discipline, right? That's what that is. Reflection of your That's coaching, your leadership, and your yeah. culture. So, your there's locker. two areas. Again, they're, they're not areas that scream out at you in the stats we like to mostly talk about, which is yards and everything, but penalties and those no yards penalties. When I saw that, I couldn't believe it.
4: it you know, it's a great stat. It's a great number. And it speaks of, you know, Mike O'Shea's attention to detail on special teams, but also their there special teams coordinator, Paul Boudreau. Because yeah. you remember, there's been a lot of changeover on your kind of your foot soldiers, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of new faces on. On this team, that uh, he had to get up to speed quickly without a couple of preseason games. So those are really good numbers, Bob, uh, to throw out there. It's again, it, it's part of why Coach O'Shea is yeah. uh, a Coach of the Year f- uh, finalist. It's yeah. because of all those kind of things.
1: so uh, the, the one that's most amazing to me is they've taken two no yards. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Two. Just, it's almost unfathomable. All right, don't forget coming up later in the pregame show. Keys to the Game, brought to you by CG Open Road Outlet. Power sports, campers, boats, premium used vehicles, and more. Visit openroadoutlet.ca. Doug Brown will know. If the Bombers take two no-yards panels in the first quarter, we'll know they're not at their best, right? Because they'll match their season total. They're if they out of
3: sorts, <laughs> yeah. yes. They just doubled it.
1: We'll hear from Adam Hill when we come back. You're listening to Recycle Everywhere, Blue Bomber football on 680 CJOB temperature has dropped one degree it's now minus five here in winnipeg manitoba canada the wind chills minus 11 the wind has picked up and i'm watching mark Leggio, the bomber punter kicking from south to north and he's really having a tough time getting it more than 25 or 30 yards downfield into that strong north wind well it's always fun to listen to what adam big hill has to say about football and different scenarios he's such a deep thinker and uh, very articulate about things. And so we had a chance to, we spent about 10 minutes with Adam Big Hill. I say we, the media, in a, a media session here this week. And one of the things Adam says is that there's no chance the Bombers will be overconfident or satisfied with their season.
8: In our locker room, you know, we we don't think we want anything. And that's, I think, one of the best things that we, our vibe is, our feel in our locker room is that every week it's go 1-0. And, and uh, this week is you know, no different. Um, all we talk about is work. And all I see people doing is working. And that gives me confidence. And th- that's the confidence that we come out and play with every single game. So we, we talk about earning it, earning it, and taking it. You know? So tomorrow, our expectation is the work we put in to earn it. And our effort tomorrow, collectively, go out there and take it. Whether we're favorites or not, um, it doesn't really enter into our locker room when it comes to how we go and win games. So the more detail to the work is, you know, work days start at 9 and they end at 1.30. I'm in with you guys at, you know, 5.30 a.m. and leaving at 4. Um, but for the most part, I see guys in at 7 o'clock, 6.45, 7, 7.30, and guys are doing their own film work, their own study together getting all their workouts in, getting their treatments in, and way before the work they said they ever had to start. And they're staying way before the workday ever said they had to leave. And that's not common uh, with the amount of guys that are doing that in this locker room. Um, that's the kind of work I'm talking about. And then you add to that, you go out to practice. And the way we compete, I think that's special. Uh, relatively. When you put in the work, you build the confidence. When you build the confidence, the nerves go away because you know what's about to happen. You know how to handle the situation and you know what needs to be done. There are no question marks. You see your bullseye, you hit it. And that's all we ask from every single guy. And that's, that does limit pressure. And let's be honest, like the game is high pressure, but I wouldn't want it any different. Like I want, I want me to be the guy that has to perform at the last play under pressure. Um, I thrive in that. And, uh, you know, from what I've seen, our entire, entire squad does as well.
1: Adam Big Hill. Ed Tate, he's a football player.
4: You know, <laughs> remember when they signed him, we knew that uh, uh, the Bombers were getting uh, a most outstanding defensive player with the B.C. Lions, uh, you know, kind of a, a dominant uh, middle linebacker. I didn't realize that he was this much of a leader, too, and that that his what he does on a daily basis would influence so many people. It is coming in at five thirty. It's the work that he does. That uh, you know he's not necessarily a rah rah guy, but uh, and this sounds so cliche, but he really is the guy that leads by example, right? And and uh, that's he's all business. It. He's all business yeah. in everything he does. We said this before the game in Montreal a couple of weeks ago. You know, like when he wakes up in the morning and his feet hit the ground. It's go, go, go until the end of the day because he's got three kids, too. And he's got a financial planning business on. I wish I had that energy. It's amazing what he can cram into uh, his day.
3: He's a process guy, right? He's he's someone that realizes that football is an input output game, you know, and he recognizes that the sacrifices he makes, the work he does during the week. You know, it's it's. Everyone wants to be a hero of a game. Everyone wants to play well in a game. Everyone wants to have the, the adoration of the crowd or whatever. Well, Adam Bakel figured out, yeah, that's great, and I figured out how to get put myself in that position on a week-by-week basis by the sacrifices and the attention to detail and the process and the work I do during the week is what sets him up to, to be an all-star, to be the the defensive uh, candidate uh, and uh, up for that award for all of the CFL in terms of Defensive Player of the Year. He understands what he has to challenge himself with yeah. and what routine and what processes he has to go through uh, to be successful in this game. And you simply, the more you put into it, I mean, until you get to that threshold of of overdoing it, right, and overtraining, so on and so forth, the more you get out of this game, the more success you see. And, and that's why you see guys like Adam Big Hill who just work himself to the bone in this game because he's all about enjoying the the fruits of that labor and and uh you know he's uh he's a savvy veteran player that's figured it out
1: well he's 33 going to be 33 next year and there doesn't appear to be any wear and tear on him if anything he looks quicker and stronger and faster than ever and then and that's a testament a testament to the work that he does
3: i you know if there's one thing you could say about who adam Big Hill is when there was no football in 2020 some guys didn't do anything yeah Adam's like, oh, great, an opportunity for me to get bigger, faster, and stronger, right? And I'm going to set up a gym in my garage, and like a lot of players in the CFL took the year off. There was no football, and no one's paying me to do anything. Why, why would I do? Adam worked his tail off mm. the entire – non. you know how hard it is? To get up and, and do deadlifts in your garage when you don't have a season? I don't, no, I, know. I don't, <laughs> don't know how hard that <laughs> is, but I, but I can imagine.
4: <laughs> well, and then on top of all this, and it doesn't get talked a lot a whole lot, especially by Adam, he took a massive pay cut, too, Yeah. right? And he, he came into the season more driven because Said, of I'll that. Show I, yeah. I'll show you. I'll show you. And he's and having an I'll show you year, big time. because uh, I expect he'll be the most outstanding defensive player when they announce it in in Grey cup week. He's been everything and then some, as far as I'm concerned, since he's got here.
1: So Begahill's one of the linchpins on this Bomber defense, which has been so good. And one of the areas that just about everybody I've talked to feels the Bombers have a huge advantage over the Riders is the defensive front against Saskatchewan's offensive line, Doug. And the Riders have one American at tackle, Andrew Lauderdale, and then they've got uh, Logan Furland at guard. He's a Regina Ram junior grad. Dan Clark, the veteran center, who's a strong, strong player. Evan Johnson, another Canadian at right guard. And Brett Boyko, a Canadian at right tackle. Four Canadians on the O-line. I'm not saying because they're Canadians it makes any difference, but there's a feeling that O-line of Saskatchewans is really going to have a hard time uh, keeping pace with Winnipeg's defensive line and uh, the pressures from Alexander and Big L and whoever they blitz.
3: And the rotation yeah, too, right? Like you look back on the depth chart here, and there are eight defensive linemen addressing yet again. They kind of went away mm-hmm. from that a little bit. There were six or seven addressing in the last two regular season games. They're back up to every player starting on this defensive line has a rotational piece behind them to keep them fresh, to keep them going. And it's just an onslaught of... of of excellence, really, with with how good all these guys are, how deep they are in terms of defensive line talent, that these guys don't get a break, right? They're going to keep coming after you in, in, until you break, and, and that's why they've been so successful this year.
1: Yeah, and the uh, eighth player they dressed on the O-line today is Ricky Walker in import. He played seven games. He was in and out of the lineup all season long, but, Ed, that's an area of strength. We all know that this season. And one, the Riders uh, boy, if the Riders can't cope with What's coming at them from that defensive front? It's going to be a long day for them.
4: I like what Doug said about this too. And we, you know, we always talk about Jackson, Jeffcoat, and Willie Jefferson, Stole Richardson, Jake Thomas in there, but they're not going to get any downs off because they know that they, you know, a Ricky Walker, Casey Sales, Theadric Hansen, Kongbo—they've all had moments too. And so I think it needs to be—you need to be relentless at the line of scrimmage, especially if the game is the weather gets uh, goes sideways here. And it's going to be over and over and over again. And those old linemen are going to feel, oh man, here comes Kongboy, and he just his motor never stops. If yeah. Theadric Hansen, if he gets in the backfield, he hurts people because <laughs> he's just a nasty dude, right? And and so that can wear an old line out.
3: And I'll tell you, nothing gets you going as a starter too when your rotational player, your backup player comes in, makes a play. You're like, well, I better get out there and and do what I, you don't want to be out outperformed and outshone by by a guy that's given you a spell or or a break on the football field. So competitive nature of these guys and a talented group like that allows them to dress eight. Granted some of these guys play special teams, but that rotational element and that consistency of talent and and performance on the defensive line is, is a huge factor for today's game.
1: So, again, if you missed it, you're on your way to the game. Andrew Harris will play for the Blue Bombers today. Let's hear from Andrew. He told us that that Wednesday practice, his first practice in six weeks, was very encouraging.
9: Yeah, honestly, i I felt I felt more in shape than I did you know earlier in the season. But uh, again, that's just kudos to to Al and Braden and um, and and the rest of the staff here helping me to get to that point. I haven't ran in, um, you know f- over 50 days. So um, you know as much as it is like riding a bike, you know you still want to get uh, out there and um, get that cadence down. And you know everything's about timing in, in football and 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 then reacting off the off those off those steps. So. I mean, no player ever wants to miss playoffs, and um, uh, I mean it's uh, definitely motivating. I think, you know, watching watching your team from the sidelines and on TV is is, is you're always proud to, to see them win and, and want to be in there. And but uh, and I think I think you know you got to give credit to, to Johnny and and, and Brady. Um, for stepping in and, and doing a hell of a job, and um, you know, it's just a kudos to our to our coaching staff and those guys did amazing, and I'm proud proud of what they did. And um, and but, I mean, it's uh, as as a guy who's been a starter for a long time, you always want to come in and, and and make those plays and be in there with them. And um, you know, for me, um, being being part of the playoffs and being in the playoffs is is, is definitely massive for me. And it's crazy how, how much you take for granted those little things and just the excitement of being able to get back on the field and uh, it was definitely an exciting moment for me and you know this is this is this is the business we're in and it's a tough one to stay healthy and I've, I've honestly been really lucky my, my whole career I've never really had too many injuries that have taken me out um, but um, you know that's that's what it is this year and um, it's been a difficult one to deal with personally and and mentally and. Um, something i've had to kind of learn to to deal with and it, it's that's that's been the biggest challenge for me other than uh, the obviously not playing the just the mental mental side of it and, and seeing how you can be still be a leader and help your team be successful away from the field and uh honestly that um that side of that side of the game is has been uh, the most that i've I felt that I had to grow in and and um be just being able to help my teammates uh be as best they can when they're out there so um you know a lot of times when you have a successful season like this teams get really um, arrogant and, and full of ourselves, and I think that we're really level-headed and, and humbled right now to be in this situation. Um, we, we put a lot of work in to, to get to this point, and we're not going to take that for granted. Um, you know, having having the week off and, and going into this, we really attacked this, this bye week. Um, usually, you guys just take off and, you know, everyone's gone. We're, we're all together here, and, and um, uh, that just shows the veterans we have, the leaders we have. And uh I don't I don't think we're in um in a in a spot where we're we're thinking too far ahead. We know the task at hand and and we know we're gonna we got a big physical team coming in here with the with the big rivalry and we're excited for it.
1: Andrew Harris, he's on the field right now. We can see him from our spot in the CJOB broadcast booth. He's uh, catching some passes, moving very well. Remember now he missed the first three games of the year and then came back and rushed for 623 yards in seven games. Over an 18-game season, that would be about 15 or 1,600 yards. So he was prolific right from the get-go, and he got better as each game went on. And uh, we'll see what he can contribute to the Blue Bomber cause today because he will play. We thank you for joining us in the certainty Broadcast booth. Professional-grade building materials, pro all the way. And a reminder, today's game brought to you by Winnipeg Hyundai. Get more for less, Winnipeg Hyundai. Visit winnipeghyundai.com. Ed, the East Final, what's up?
4: 27-16 for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. with about 248 to go in the game. They've outscored them 27-4 to in the second half, it looks wow. like. Yep.
1: So Hamilton 15-3 and three, two years ago, you all remember, and then got mauled by the Blue Bombers in the Grey Cup game. I think going into the year, most of us thought Hamilton was a good bet to win the East again, but, man, what an erratic year they've had. But today they've turned it on in the second half.
4: Yeah, it's been a wild game, too, because Jeremiah Mazzoli um, started the game, but it's Dane Evans that's led them right now. So yeah. that would be an interesting storyline going into the Grey Cup whether they go back to Dane Evans, who started in 2019, Yeah, whether he would be the starting quarterback uh, a week from today. because uh, And they Look. got that spark from special teams, which was huge. That's yeah. Jeff Reinbold's uh, old uh, – that's his uh, – you know, his expertise, and it really showed up today in a difference maker.
1: Yeah, so we'll see Jeff Reinbold again go. hanging around at the Great Cup next week. That'll be kind of fun. All right, uh, Bombers and Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the West Final here at IG Field this afternoon. Pre-game show brought to you by Olympic Building Center. Build with confidence and a reminder that coming up in the post-game show will be the coaches' comments. We'll hear from Mike O'Shea for Independent Jewelers, Winnipeg's Luxury Jewelry Store, since 1937, you're listening to Recycle Everywhere Blue Bomber Football on 680 CJOB. Well, as we watch some of the players warm up here at IG Field, the footing does not appear to be an issue. The snow that fell this morning has largely been cleared off the field, and uh, the players are running and catching passes. And again, they they don't seem to be slipping and sliding very much. So it looks like the footing will be pretty good. And the one player. Doug, that we haven't talked about much is Sean McGuire, the backup quarterback wasn't able to play in the final game in Calgary, but he's been okay the last few days and he's a valuable piece because they counted him a lot in those short yardage situations and they need him to bowl for that one or two yards that they're going to have to get to convert some of those third downs. Yeah, situations. you definitely,
3: you don't want to expose Zach Clarice any more than you have to in right. a game, especially with our understanding of the depth behind him in, in terms of experience. So, uh, very good that Sean McGuire is back and able to handle that piece of, uh, of, of game plan. So, again, the weather here is
1: still pretty good based on we're, we're kind of sitting here in fear of what's coming. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty good right now at uh, minus five. The wind, though, is picking up, and it's going to get colder as each minute passes. Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun joins us. As always great to have you here, Ted. First of all, your thoughts on the weather and uh, as it sort of deteriorates, what kind of a role might it play?
0: Well, we've been talking about it all week, haven't we, Bob? You know, and and, and every chance we've had to talk to the players about it, you question them on just how ready they are for this because they talk about practicing all week in cold weather Mm -hmm. but it's not like what we're talking about here you're talking about really low wind chill values you're talking about pretty high winds is what they're they're saying although we haven't quite seen it yet um and you know obviously we're seeing some snow falling so as you said before the ground it looks pretty good from the earlier snow but if it's going to snow during the game all bets are off And I do think it's it it obviously affects the game. I saw your tweet earlier, Doug. You said it's a great equalizer. I just don't think... I think anyone that observes the game of football knows that it is that. It is a great equalizer. It is going to make it tougher for teams to execute. So if you're a team that executes extremely well, it's going to be a tougher to execute extremely well today, sure. and that does have an effect on the game.
1: So Craig Dickinson, the coach of the Riders, Ted, said, we just like to hang with him, stay yeah. close, and maybe we'll get a break and, and steal the game. Do you think he's downplaying it, or is he is that the way he really feels? Rope-a-dope, maybe? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, he's
0: been like that for a while, you know. Yep. I mean, he said that when the Bombers played in, in Saskatchewan this year, and, the, and I think it was after the second game when the Bombers held them without a touchdown, without a point in the second half for both games. Yeah, He said, they're the best team in the league and it's not even close. We're not in their league. It's a different story now. It, it just is because Saskatchewan has grown as a team since that time and the Bombers have had this long layoff. And I mean, I don't know. Um, it, it, you know, you think from my perspective that it has to affect a team when you've had a long layoff. And it's not just that they've... You know, they, they, it wasn't all a layoff. They were playing, but they haven't had meaningful football for a very long time. Yeah, uh, they didn't have a game in November that was a meaningful football game on the standings. So honestly, this team has, um, you know, it has that to deal with. And and just as an observer, you know that Mike O'Shea is going to have this team ready. You know that it has veterans, and I believe that to be true. But I cannot help but think that there could be some residual effects from that. And and because Saskatchewan's been playing all along more important games, including a playoff game, they might be a little more battle-tested right now.
1: Doug Brown, jump in on that. Meaningful football, a lack of for the Bombers. Could it hurt them?
3: Well, ordinarily, I think for an average team, the, the, that could be something you would have to contend with. But, you know, one thing we need to remember, they're the defending champions, the defending Grey Cup champions, and, and they are essentially very close to being that same football team that uh, had to go on the road and and has been through adverse times and and scenarios. And they understand what it takes to get to that championship game and and win it as well. It's the same roster. So Mm -hmm. for me to be concerned that those guys in, in the locker room haven't prepared or haven't had the urgency, you know, maybe they haven't played in a while, but you get so much out of practicing. When you're a veteran player, as long as you're practicing and you're going through, you know, what you need to do individually, your processes to get you on your mark and, and keep you sharp, you're not worried about it, right? It's uh, it's why we dismiss preseason, right? I, I never, ever wanted to play in the preseason because I knew I was ready to go after a, a couple weeks of training camp. So I think the veteran mentality that this team has, I think that negates uh, the lack of experience they've had just coming down late here in the regular season where they haven't been playing a lot of guys. So, Ted
1: Wyman, where could the Riders hurt the Bombers what what do they have that could cause the Bombers problems today
0: Cody Fajardo's legs yep. I do believe is one we saw him do it last week it they, they he wasn't facing Willie Jefferson and uh, and Jackson Coat, Steven Richardson this defensive line is ex- excellent for the Blue Bombers and the second line of it the second wave of it with Adam Big Hill and Kyrie Wilson is also excellent so it's not like it's going to be um, just an easy situation for him. But if I'm Saskatchewan, I'm going to try to make utilize that as much as possible. And if he does manage to get his legs going and does manage to start picking up some yards, it's going to open up opportunities for him again, sure. throwing the ball as well. So I do think that is one area where the Bombers are going to have to watch very closely and not get beaten by him in that situation. And I also think the kicking game really favors the Riders. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a huge advantage because we do know Sergio is a good kicker, but he hasn't been around all that much this year. Yeah. And Brett Lothar is a veteran of this league, has played in a lot of different conditions, and obviously has had a very good year. And I do think... You know, they're they're both rookie punters today, Um, but Kari Vedvik has been better, I think, than Mark Leggio. And and really, Mark Leggio has not been one of the better punters in the cfl this year it's just the truth and now he's going to do it in adverse conditions i think that could be a problem area potentially for the bombers
1: yeah well the, the riders don't have john ryan their great punter but uh Corey vedvik as uh, ted said he's from norway he's a norwegian who went to marshall university so the cold weather won't affect him but he's done a nice job punting in the four games he's punted what will andrew harris bring today ted wyman well you know
0: andrew harris is uh is just such a good veteran football player He is as smart as they come. I believe Zach Caleros described it as he has a PhD in terms of his football experience. And it's not just running the football. It is his blocking. It is his ability to read defense. It's his ability to um, catch the ball when needed. He has all the things that you want in a running back. And we know what he's like in big games. We saw him play in the Grey Cup, and he was the best player in the game he was the best canadian he was the mvp he was everything so i mean it's a it's a great thing if you got him and if somehow it isn't quite working for him you got great backup options in Oliveira and augustine
3: i just wish we had known he was going to play in this game earlier so we could have doubted him and discounted him and built up that (laughs) massive chip that he carries around on his shoulder right because he always it was all about the scenario that he went through before when he had to miss uh that, that game because of a suspension and, and he takes that personally and all. He's a guy you want to have with the mentality that he needs to prove something out here and th- that's my only thing. I wish I could have tweeted out, oh, he's going to be rusty and he won't he won't be able to perform and you almost want to go to him like that because you know he responds to people that doubt him and or think he's old or he's not going to perform. But, yeah, he's, uh, he's one of those inherently – self-motivated professionals that 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 brings a, a ton of stuff outside of uh, just a skill set to the football field. Well, Ted
1: talked about how the playoffs bring out the best in him. Get these numbers in his playoff career. He's carried the ball 117 times for 706 yards. That's almost a six-yard average in two great cup games. 28 carries, 199 yards. That's a seven-yard average. That's Andrew Harris in the postseason. So give us a a prediction, Mr. Wyman, if you care to, before we let you go.
0: Well, I, I will, because I already predicted in the paper today. <laughs> I I did pick the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to win this game and get back to the Grey Cup. I just think it's going to be closer than it would have been if the weather were not the way that it is. Yeah. I do believe that that is going to bring this game um, into more of a, a, a tight, tight battle, and you know that that's all there is to it i think the bombers win by a field goal um and i think you know maybe the storyline that all season long field goal kicking has been a problem well sergio castillo get that winning kick today and uh and maybe all that will be forgotten.
1: (laughs) Ted, thanks. We appreciate you joining us all season long. Great to have you.
0: Well, it's been great to be here, Bob, and I want to congratulate you on your retirement, on your last uh, call today. I hope it's a fantastic one, and uh, I just want you to know that you'll be missed by me and many, many of us in the media and people in the city of Winnipeg.
1: Well, I appreciate those comments, and I have been focusing and preparing like mad. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. Ted, (laughs) game face on, ready. Ted (laughs) Wyman, uh, I've been watching film. Actually, I haven't, but I've been preparing in my own little way. Thanks, Ted. Appreciate it. Enjoy the ceremony too, Bob. Uh, Thank you, Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. I put together a little montage of players commenting about the cold weather and how it's going to impact them, how how they'll deal with it. Uh, Zach Lairez, Kenny Lawler, Winston Rose, Nick Dembski and uh, Willie Jefferson. So here's that montage talking about the cold.
6: Mind over matter as well, you know, get out there and, you know, like, like coach says, it's a privilege to be in these situations, to be in these moments, to to practice in this kind of weather and, you know, and ultimately play in the game. So I think if you have the right mindset, um, you can still go out there and, and execute at a high level. That's what we, that's what we plan to do.
0: It takes some getting used to, but you know, it's the culture. I feel like if you want to play at this time in this city, you know, you got to get used to it. And, uh, you know, we have a, a, we have a good group of guys that go out there and uh love playing at this time of year and you know if you want to play at this time of year if you love playing at this time of year this is what comes with it.
9: I mean of course the weather is, is gonna be cold out there but if you're from Winnipeg you know it's cold out here so we're kind of used to it so we're gonna use that to our
3: advantage I guess and just go out there and play ball. I'm not too bad with cold weather for me it's uh my hands my fingers just keeping that warm and uh Honestly, just, just hydrating. I mean, uh, when it gets cold out there, you know, you probably don't drink as much water as, as you normally would do, would do. So back in, in middle school or in, in uh, elementary school, we used to wait for, uh, for the winter days when the snow would fall down so we could play tackle football outside. So, I mean, I've been moving around in snow since I've been a young kid. So, I mean, th- this is just natural for me.
0: I'm saying this is something that, that, that this team was, you know what I'm saying, built on, from, especially, you know, since I've been here uh, playing in the cold. Playing cold games, you know, uh, having to endure the uh, elements during the week, and then once it comes to the game, this is just it just be second nature, and that's something that uh, we know uh, some guys don't like playing in the cold. Things change, players change, mindsets change, but for us, when when it gets cold, we want to we uh, we want to get tough, we
10: want to heat up, and we want to just keep playing Winnipeg football.
1: All right, there's some bomber players commenting on the cold weather and downplaying any significance it might have on the way they perform. And uh, just as we ran that bit of audio, the snow returned here to IG Field and that strong wind that they predicted. Boy, the weather forecasters are bang on. It is really howling now out of the northwest, and it's uh, blowing the snow in sheets across the field. So... Doug, it's going to play
3: a role. It's easy to see which way the wind is blowing, though, isn't it? it is not because it right? it's carrying that snow right now. So, Michael Shay has a, a habit. He likes to defer, and he likes to yeah. he likes to take the wind in the second and the fourth. So, I would imagine it's almost like he was uh, preparing for these uh, conditions, and he expected this in December because that's kind of how his team has uh, approached uh, possession when it when it comes to the second and fourth quarter. They want the wind. Well,
1: Doug, there are more bombers with bare arms than there are riders. Darvin Adams <laughs> has bare arms. Drew Wolitarski, Dondre, the rookie, uh, the cornerback. I've drawn a blank. Alford? DeAndre Alford. <laughs> Lots of bare arms out there in blue and gold. Not so many in green and white. Does that tell us anything? Probably not. Yeah, nothing. No. Uh, nothing. <laughs> too. nothing we can take to the bank. <laughs> All right, Greg Mackling is going to take over running the pregame show. I'll be back uh, to describe the West final for you. uh, But stay with us. Lots more to come on the pregame show. You're listening to Recycle Everywhere Blue Bomber Football on 680-CJOB.
5: Greg Mackling in for the legendary Bob Irving. Bob is making his way down to field level. A very special day if you haven't figured it out already. Bob Irving's last call here on 680 CJOB. It's the Western Final. Winnipeg Blue Bombers hosting the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Ed Tate is here, Doug Brown is here, and now that Bob has left the room, guys, we can say all sorts of great stuff (laughs) about him. Normally, when you're sitting around having a couple of beers, you wait for your friends to leave so you can uh, talk trash about them, but really, what can we say about Bob that's not already been said? I'll start with you, Ed.
4: Well, I could go on for days about the guy. He's been, uh, you know, I've been around this team since 1990, and he's been there all along, and I've said this many times, when I first met him, you... You look at him with awe and respect for what he had already done. And over the course of my time covering this team, he's been, uh, you know, a role model, a mentor, a confidant. He's been like a father figure to me sometimes. Um, He's been he's been everything for me and he's been everything for this franchise. So it's uh, you know, it's his call, which is cool that he's going out this way. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be really different next year without him around on a daily basis for me too because uh we've spent a lot of time watching practice and not watching practice and talking about other things when we're supposed to be paying attention it's just been a blast to been around him and call him a friend. This morning the three of us got an email
5: that only Bob could send. And and Doug, it's indicative of the individual Bob Irving is. Come on guys, uh, enough about Bob Irving. Let's let's talk about the game. And so I I'm breaking, as Clay Young would say, I'm sort of breaking protocol. I'm I'm breaking format here because Bob wanted this to be about the game, but we have to take a couple of minutes to talk about what's going to happen here. We'll have the audio live down from Field Over. But Doug not only uh, playing and, and being around Bob for as long as you have. I mean, you've become a pretty solid broadcaster over the last decade or so. How much of that do you owe to Bob Irving? His patience, his willingness to work with
3: yeah, it's simply the you, likes of you. If you just sit next to him, something is bound to rub off onto you, right? You, you, you can only get better, especially if you set the bar really low when you start, but I've known Bob obviously since uh, 2001, my first day as a player, and and you knew he was he was different from the first interview I ever did with him. I was like, what is it? It's disarming about this, you know, this this older gentleman talking to me with carrying this briefcase-sized recorder, and it was just <laughs> it was just so disarming, and he had this little sparkle in his eye talking about the Winnipeg Blue Bomber he was more excited to ask me about the questions than I was to answer them as part of the team and he's just he's been such an advocate for the Canadian Football League and and obviously this football team he's done it so consistently and and flawlessly for for you know for for decades on decades it's it's incredible And, and you sit back and obviously this time has had you step away and reflect on on you know his presence and he's just authentic and and he's he's so genuine and he's so kind and yet he's such he's such a professional as well right he never forgets the his underlying responsibilities and you know that's why all this fanfare and uh, hurrah about him he's like enough of that let's get into this rarefied air of a western final game here and that's just his uh his humble, modest, you know, selfless uh, type of person that he is. So uh, it'll never be the same um, without him. It, it can only be different. And, uh, you know, it's so cool. We're sitting up here right now. His his name up on that ring of honor is uh, the wind has actually shown us uh, in advance, uh, you know, that that he's up there and such. And it's, uh, it's such a fantastic moment that, you know because you talk about builders of this football team right. and, and and who's had more of a profound impact on people's game day experiences than Bob Irving painting that picture for them?
5: Well, he brought me into stadiums across Canada, sometimes the stadium just down the street from where I lived when I couldn't get into the games and so he's been painting those pictures for as long as I can remember and now I'm looking across the field, the snow swept field here at ig field we've got a minus 17 temperature that wind is straight out of the north now at 27 kilometers per hour they're saying the wind chill is minus 15 i see looking across fritz hansen's number 40 doug brown's 97 bud grant dieter brock's number five jerry james chris walby ken Plain, milt steagle leo lewis herb gray jack jacobs bob cameron and then there are three Winnipeg Blue Bomber flags covering what we know to be the banner that will sit forever in mortality uh, for Bob Irving. So why don't we get to the keys of the game brought to you by CJ Open Road Outlet Power Sports, campers, boats, premium used vehicles, and more. Visit openroadoutlet.ca. Is there anything other than the weather that we can talk about with regard to the keys of the game here, Ed? I know it goes much deeper than that. But the conversation for the last hour and a half has been how is the weather, as it's turned out, going to change things that would have otherwise happened on the field today?
4: Well, it's certainly going to impact uh, the kicking game and the field position game. Those things are just a byproduct. When you look out the, the window here and you see the snow going sideways and the, you know, the 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 things at the end of the goalpost, the flags are flapping like that, it's, it's going to affect the kicking game. And so... If it's a tight game, field position will be really important. I keep coming back to this. I've been saying this about this Bomber team since 2019, and it's even been reinforced this year. They're better than everybody else at the line of scrimmage. They're better than anybody else at offensive line, and they're better than anybody else at the defensive line. So I think that's going to dictate this game, as it has all along with this Bomber team. I think... If they want to pound the ball, they can. If they have the wind at the back and they want to throw it, they'll be able to. And I think they can limit the effectiveness of Cody Fajardo and William Powell. And I I think that's where Winnipeg dominates this game again. It's a a broken record, but I think it, it, it will play out again
5: the best offensive line in the league versus the best offensive line in the league, Doug, in practice every single day, we've had the conversation about the impact and, and how positive that is for all the players involved. What do you see as the key of the game today for you?
3: Well, the key for me for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is, is just to keep it real, right? They've created a, a list of, of things about their identity and characteristics that their, their football team adheres to on a week in and week out basis. And, the more they stick to that script, the the better off they'll be, right? The more things we see transpire today that we're like, whoa, what was that? Or that was unusual or that was different. That's dangerous for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, right? And that's where the weather potentially factors in. But if this team sticks to the script that they've abided by really since 2019 or, or earlier since this culture shift and change has come in from from Mike O'Shea, then they're perfectly fine. They have nothing to concern themselves a bit. It's when we start seeing, if we start seeing things unfold on the football field, we're like, hang on, a turnover here or, or a touchdown here in the first quarter. The, these things are different. These are unusual elements. They're not being themselves. They're not playing up to that standard that they've already set for themselves in, in multiple years. That's all they really have to worry about. Hey, let's let's play within ourselves and do what we do. So is is the game going, not according to script,
5: Doug, more dangerous for Winnipeg or more dangerous for Saskatchewan?
3: Not going to script. It's for Winnipeg, for sure. The more bizarre, unusual, uh, strange events that transpire on this football field, lucky bounces, so on and so forth, the more it it benefits and the more it boosts and gives confidence, I think, to Saskatchewan, whose, whose head coach is pretty much convinced everybody in that locker room that they don't necessarily belong on the same field as, as Winnipeg. I hope he's saying, guys, I was just kidding all along. I had my fingers crossed when I made all those statements from, from Labor Day going forward about how we're not in the same classes of Winnipeg blue bombers. And, and he's hoping for, you know, the, the weather to be a factor to, to limit, you know, some of the things that Winnipeg can do effectively. And oftentimes as we have talked about that, Weather can be uh, a great equalizer. Before we take a pause here, I'm going to throw it back to you, Ed, real
5: quick on this one because Dave Ritchie, Cal Murphy, uh, both of them, were adamant about flipping the script with regard to who was the favorite they never wanted to be the favorite they always wanted to be the underdog this is a move great coaches have been making for a long long time
4: yeah we've heard this many times before i'm sure that doug you know heard it a zillion times from coach ritchie right he loved being the underdog even when the team was 14 and four he'd find something to paul to to control it to, to try to change the narrative right uh, everybody's out to get us at that that sort of that's what Dave said when he got out of bed in the morning so uh that's what's interesting about this team they're comfortable with the the role of the front runner but as Adam Bighill said we ran the clip earlier they just don't feel like they've accomplished anything yet and he's right the big game is today and then the big game after that is next Sunday so if you don't get it done today all the stuff that we've been you know uh, slapping them on the back about this year doesn't matter
5: and Doug strange things happen on their way to coronation's
3: yeah, yeah, they do, and that's why this game, you know, needs to be played. Right? You can't just say, "Oh, well, this team was dominant, and uh, they've earned it and deserved it." And here's your berth in the Grey Cup. It just does not happen that way. It all goes out the window, and it all has to be reestablished and proven here. And all new variables are introduced. And uh, like I said, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Can't rest on any laurels uh, today. It's just fantastic to have this opportunity for a home game, though, and this crowd and this environment. Rarified air was uh, the catchphrase I heard uh, when it comes to talking about having the opportunity for a Western Divisional final at home in this atmosphere. As a, as a byproduct of what this culture has created, it's just, it's fantastic. It's
5: hard to believe that it's before, since before, Bob Irving was the voice of the Blue Bombers, 1972. It was these two teams in a stadium that doesn't exist anymore. Saskatchewan with a win in one of the craziest games ever played at Winnipeg Stadium, maybe ever played in Canadian football. So we'll take a pause. The Blue Bombers have left the field and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have been in the dressing room for a little while longer than the Blue Bombers have. The stands are starting to fill up. The snow is falling. The field is collecting some of that snow. We're getting close to kickoff. Keys to the game brought to you by GC Open Road Outlet, Power Sports, campers, boats, premium-used vehicles, and more. Visit openroadoutlet.ca. You're listening to Recycle Everywhere. Blue Bomber football on 680 CJOB. Minus 7... Feels like minus 16. Wind out of the due north at 26 kilometers per hour. We are about 24 minutes away from kickoff at IG Field. Craig Mackling, Doug Brown, Ed Tate with you, the pregame show. And we are very excitedly, patiently waiting for pregame festivities to commence. Bob Irving, his final broadcast as voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, will be honored here in IG Field. Don't worry if you are in your car on your way here to IG Field. If you're in the concourse, if you're in your seats, we will broadcast that for you here on the Voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 680 CJOB. The waiting is just about over. The lamenting the forecast, the watching the forecast on an hourly basis, Ed, is finished. And now, what do you think's going on in that Blue Bomber locker room? Is, Is... Mike O'Shea saying anything at this time, or is it in the hands of the players now?
4: It's in the hands of the players. I'm not sure that Coach O'Shea even goes in there to, to, to say a lot because uh, he lets the room do the the talking. And, I, you know, it's probably Andrew Harris doing his win-win-win uh, speech in there pretty soon. Uh, and then there's guys in there that are just deciding whether they're going to layer up or not or go bare-armed and... Uh, uh it you know i I think this team is ready they've been talking about it all week they they've uh, been very even keeled Uh, so uh, you know i don't think there's anybody in there going too crazy or getting fired up they're just they're going to come out here punch the clock like they always do
5: i need to remind you today's game is brought to you by winnipeg hyundai get more for less at winnipeg hyundai visit winnipeghundai.com doug as a player do you even want the coach in the dressing room before a game like this, is it all about the players? What what what's what's the feeling uh, as you as you prepare as you're minutes away from the biggest game of the season so far?
3: I think that depends on the coach for sure, but it, it's all about what processes they have in 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 place leading up to here, what routines that have have gotten them here and they've been successful with. If anything, I think you know the marketing, the brand from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now is defend the cup. And uh, that's something in the back of your mind, I would imagine, as a football player coming off 2019 for these players, you know, the regular season is setting them up situationally to defend the cup, right? But now that switch has to go off for them, in, in the sense that they are the owners of the of the Grey Cup right now. They are the defending their championship, and this is where it starts and ends for them, right? Potentially. So that's when it becomes real for them, in, in that sense. That hey, this isn't just a catchphrase and a logo for this football team. We got to go out and if you want to hold on to this, we got to get it done today because you know we we can. Read about ourselves in the newspaper till we're blue in the face, but nobody cares anymore until the final whistle of this game, and they accomplish what what they're setting out to do. So, it is their their first test match here, and uh, when uh, all the stakes are on the table, and uh, you know, I would imagine that is quite an incentive and a motivating factor for them in the locker room right now.
5: I'll apologize in advance if I end up cutting you off on the answer to this question, Doug. But isn't that contrary to the entire message? One and O, let's go one and O this week. Like, is defend the cup even allowed to hang anywhere in that dressing
3: room? Well, I mean, one and O is if you don't go one and O this week, everything's done right. So it's the finality of it, right? One and O is a fantastic uh, script that they've they've played and, and built off of and, and manifested. And now it's just uh, it's even more paramount, right? Because of, of, of what happens if you don't uh, succeed in that regard. I've seen more fur
5: coats in the stadium. <laughs> Chris Trevler <today>. look, yes. <laughs> now we know Chris Stravler isn't here, but uh, his presence I, it I, seems like, right? I think his, his influence is, is everywhere. Good point. And and Doug, uh, this is something that uh, that so many were talking about in the lead up to to the game, would Chris Trevler maybe magically be airlifted in for this game? But do you think, Ed, there's any chance we see, as the field conditions might dictate, this turns into a running uh, matchup head-to-head, do we see Brady Oliveira and Andrew Harris in the backfield at the same time? Do we three see three running back sets? Is there a chance we see something we've not seen before today?
4: I don't think so. And I, th- I think it's... Buck Pierce talked about this earlier in the week, the offensive coordinator, and it's what Doug mentioned a few minutes ago. You kind of have to be who you are at this point, regardless of the conditions. And and Winnipeg's been a one back uh, offense. I would expect that it's going to be a heavy dose of Andrew Harris today. And uh, Mike O'Shea was asked earlier in the week about whether you would use the three headed monster, whether you would spell off Andrew Harris to get other guys touches. Look, if Andrew Harris is going, there's, you don't take him out of the game to put somebody else in because he's a he's a difference maker, and he, you know he's going to pick up the the blitzes and, and make every decision right. So, um, the, what will be interesting to see today is if things break down for the Bombers offensively, how much Zach Colerus might run. That's something to keep an eye on.
5: Well, I'm taking a look at uh, the northwest corner of IG Field right now, Bus and Boomer. We've got the flag bearers, the big W flags. The cheer team has made their way onto the field. And that means we're just moments away from the celebration of Bob Irving's career. His last game, of course, today as play-by-play voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers here at IG Field. I don't know if we should try and sneak in a break here. I don't really want to do that because I know so many of you want to hear the entire ceremony. Sky Neller back at uh, Studio Control. How long would our next break be if we broke here? Two minutes. Why don't we do that? Let's jump out here. You're listening to Recycle Everywhere Blue Bomber Football on 680 CJOB. Greg Mackling, Doug Brown, along with Ed Tate. We are in the CertainTeed broadcast booth, professional grade building materials, pro all the way. And, well, pro is the word that describes our colleague, our friend, our idol for some of us, Bob Irving. And we are just about ready now for some words from the president and CEO of the Winnipeg Football Club as Bob Irving gets his just desserts on this day of his final call as voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers being enshrined into the Winnipeg Blue Bomber ring of honor. The next voice we'll hear is that of Wade Miller. We're just standing by waiting for Wade to step to the podium. We are 13 minutes away from kickoff, and here's Wade Miller now.
2: Miller, president and CEO of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for a special presentation.
10: You ready for a game, Bomber fans? Before we get this West Final started, it is my honor to be putting Bob Irvin, Bob Irving, in the ring of honor today. To bring greetings from the province of Manitoba, our new Premier, Heather Stephenson.
1: Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Wade.
10: Just an honour for me to be here today. I just want to say...
1: Bob, you are an amazing broadcasting icon in Manitoba, not only just for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but for all of us in Winnipeg, all of us in Manitoba. Thank you for your almost 50 years of service. In honour of that today, we have a scholarship that we're going to work in combination with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and it's in your name, Bob, a scholarship for broadcasting for a student each and every year moving forward. Thank you so much. I want to present it to you today.
10: Thank you Premier for joining us today and now I'd ask you to turn your attention to the video board and let's just look at our at the career of Bob Irving and uh, celebrate with him as we're getting ready for the West Final. Good evening
1: everybody, I'm Bob Irving, welcome to the first game of the 1988 CFL season. The,
4: all- the product of Regina, Saskatchewan, Bob Irving found a home in Winnipeg in 1973 by way of Estevan and Brandon, and after a fateful day on the golf course, Bob quickly became the voice of Winnipeg. And he
1: throws it long down the left side for Stiegel,
10: he's got it, and he's gone! Milt Stegel's going all the way for a touchdown on the last play of the game, a hundred yard touchdown pass.
1: And the Blue Bombers are Gray Cup champions.
4: Along with his legendary calls, Knuckles has made some friends along the way.
5: We all love you, and I'll share a cold one with you anytime you want. I wish you all of the best in your retirement.
10: We're really going to miss you around here and hope you really uh, enjoy your well-deserved and well-earned
5: retirement. Not only the voice of the Blue Bombers, but you've been the voice of the Canadian
3: Football League. Congratulations and all the best in retirement. Congratulations, Bob.
2: Congratulations on a much-deserved retirement.
10: Now Bomber fans, turn your attention to the east side and let's see Bob Irving's name. And he will represent our fans as being the 13th person put into the ring of honor. Bob, would you like to say some words?
1: Thank you, Wade Miller. I can't tell you how honored I am to receive this particular honor. I never dreamt of anything like this. I'd like to thank my family, my wife, kids and grandkids are all up there for their unwavering support. They've been behind me all the way. I'd like to thank you, the fans, who have been so loyal to the Bombers. And to CJOB, and I'd like to thank CJOB for hiring me in the first place. It has been a privilege to be the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Enjoy the game, everybody.
5: There you have it, Bob Irving, his words to the anticipated 30,000 player at IG Field. And if you heard some booing in the background, the first move of gainsmanship of the day, Dark Brown, is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders entered the field just as Bob was introduced. The fans could not control themselves, and there were some boos which were audible, obviously, For the men in white and green today.
3: We call that rough rider timing is what we call that. And it's impeccable. They came out at the exact worst time. But as you heard after Bob Irving spoke to the crowd, the people here could not be more appreciative of his efforts and his recognition. He's affected so many people here in terms of their game day experience and uh, just a class professional on and off the field. He'll be making his way I'm back up to the booth right now. Can you believe we're gonna take this perfectly warm, lovely room, and uh-huh. we're just gonna invite the elements in here? He said to me before he went and got himself in the Ring of Honor, "Say, like, hey, make sure when I come back here, that thing's opened up, and we're so getting into this game."
5: We've got about a four by twelve. <laughs> plate glass window which has kept it nice and toasty warm in here for the last two hours or so and bob is insisting that this window be open for the game so not only can you hear everything that's going on in the background but so that bob and doug will be part of the elements the winnipeg blue bombers making their way onto the field now we have to take one more break the next voice you will hear will be that of the voice of the blue bombers for the last time bob irving the legend the myth the the consummate professional returns we will have the western final between the saskatchewan rough riders and the winnipeg blue bombers right here on 680 cjob you're listening to recycle everywhere blue bomber football on 680 cjob